So firstly, guys, thank you so much for doing this session. Really appreciate you know you guys talking to us, sharing your knowledge and information about obstacle course race. Some of you guys are absolutely beast on course. Some of you guys are elite athletes. So really appreciate you know you guys talking to us and sharing your knowledge and information in the fitness space. And before we kick start this episode, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Where are you guys originally from? When and why did you guys move to Dubai in the Middle East? Uh, so I think in the original order we thought of, I shall go first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm Stephen Robinson. I moved to Dubai back in 2012. Um, pretty much moved every year for work, as as most of us. Um, yeah, and been been in the fitness scene. Uh, more specifically with running, obstacle racing, and that sort of thing since about 2017, 2018 onwards. Um, before that, pretty much just been doing training and stuff by myself and got bored of it. Hence why I started getting involved with communities like Spirit Level. Um, yeah, that's it. Now, am I right in saying that before Spirit Level, it was OCR Freaks, right? And George, were you part of OCR Freaks as well? Uh, no, I I joined the crew just after OCR Freaks when George Crew went to Innerfight okay. um, and had Innerfight OCR, which then turned into Spirit Level. Sounds like a deal. Why don't you tell us about your experience in the space? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, my name is George, as, as I've already said. Um, originally from the UK. Hi, Stephen. Uh, originally from the UK, moved out to Dubai in 2016. Uh, mainly off the back of coming to see a friend out here on holiday and I just thought, you know what, I'll get away from the cold, miserable winters in the UK and give it a go out in Dubai. Um, my background is mainly team sports, just played a lot of football back in the UK, played a lot of football when I moved out to Dubai. Um, did a couple of OCRs in the UK, nuclear races, um, and that's, that's how I originally got into this area of the fit, fitness scene can you say by uh finding the inner fight guys on on instagram and joining them for a few training sessions and the rest is history as they say oh, that's great what about you cheryl um yeah so i'm cheryl uh i'm from manchester in the uk i've been in dubai probably just about as long as george actually so 2016 i moved over um came over for work um, and my other half was living here as well so came over and um, for that reason too. Uh, my background's very different, I think, to these guys. Uh, I come from a powerlifting background. So when I was in the UK, I did a lot of powerlifting, competed uh, for Britain, um, hated anything to do with running. So <laughs> very different to, to these guys. And then I moved to Dubai and there wasn't a great powerlifting scene at the time. There is now uh, with Desert Barbell. But I, I saw a lot of competitions like uh, the Under Armour Games, which is now, I think, morphed into turf games and things like that and functional fitness. And I was like, you know, I'm strong, but I'm not this kind of fit. So I wanted to get into that. I loved, um, started doing Spartan races, those kind of things. I'll run if there's an obstacle in the way, but if there's not, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to stay away from it. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved with what I do now, which is mostly kind of functional fitness, CrossFit, and OCR when when I can. That's wicked. What about you, Adam? People are saying that you're one of the fastest runners that you have. I 
I don't know about that at the moment, but uh, definitely my background is is uh, is, is in uh, track and field and cross country. So uh, I've been in UAE now for almost twelve years. Originally came for work and uh, got settled here. But yeah, like growing up, my background is track on the track really, so 800, 1500 meters on the track, and uh, sort of got back into that last last summer. Summer just gone. First time I'd raced on the track for probably about 15 years. So uh, yeah, it actually came with a handful of injuries, which I'm sort of just getting over. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely more suited to the cardio stuff than uh, some of the other guys that have got a lot more experience in lifting and uh, yeah, being able to compete a bit more on that side of things. Thanks, thanks very much for that. So guys, what you can do is, you know, in case you guys want to have a chit chat in between, that's perfectly fine as well. I'll go ahead and delete and edit this part. Yeah. I'm I was going to say, yeah. Adam, you got you got something to boast about in the gym lately, haven't you? Yeah, go on. Come on, tell well, us. Pretty much at the moment, because I've not really done much uh, lifting before. Every every time I'm going at the minute, it's, it's like a personal best in one lift or the other, whether it's <laughs> and jerk or chest press or even just like a bicep curl. Because uh, it's all quite new to me in terms of training. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty suspect on the technique, but that's why I go to Cheryl or Stephen or George for some advice on how to to get better. So, yeah, it should be fun. I mean, we've got this competition coming up in a few weeks. Uh, for me, I'm hoping it's a lot more cardio than weight-based, but Hopefully, she's about to scrape by and uh, as an average, the team. Yeah, but on that note, uh, just achieved a uh, three-digit bench press recently, which is quite a massive achievement. Uh, Adam joined a 100K club on a bench press. Um, for somebody from a running background, I think it's quite impressive. Well, you know what? Since like July, I put on about 10 kilograms. So I was, uh, I got down to 75 kilograms racing on the track in the summer, which like the, you know, like the athletic build or the racing build on the track is not, you know, it's quite gaunt and quite skinny and uh, not, not so powerful. So I've been put on like 10 kilograms in the last few months. I've really noticed a difference um, mm. because at the end of the season, I had a bit of Achilles tendonitis. So I was told I can't run. I couldn't run for like six, eight weeks. So I just use that time to basically hit the gym and start trying to get stronger. So then when I can run again, um, hopefully I have less injuries and, you know, a bit more used to uh, being a bit more resilient, really. Actually, curious question, Adam, with you packing on a bit more muscle, did you change much on your diet, like eating a bunch more protein? And do you feel more hungry generally than when you were more cardio focused or how has it changed your diet at all? Yeah, to be fair, like I try to eat quite well in the week. So um, I wouldn't say like I eat that much junk food apart from the weekend when I'm normally ordering from Pickle where George, uh, George is. But um, yeah, do you know what the difference was? It was like I was running consistently like 50, 55 mile a week. So then when you suddenly stop that, You've got a whole load of calories that are, that are sort of, you know, back on. And then in the gym, I find that um, makes me super hungry after a session. Like a lot different to 
when you finish like a track session. Mm. So yeah, I'm trying to like a pretty much keep anything in sight like an hour or two after. And then um, also supplementing that. I'd never taken stuff like protein shakes before. I started taking that. I don't know how much that adds to sort of weight gain, but I think to be honest, like the, the weight that I put on is probably like more more muscle. I reckon my body fat has gone up a fair bit, but not not like uh, as much as probably I put on a bit more upper body muscle because I was quite skinny before. Yeah. I think I think your muscle gain definitely outweighs your body fat gain at the moment. Yeah. I mean, six months ago, you were like this skinny little white guy <laughs> running around the track, <laughs> like no muscle at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you turned up and it's like you've been bodybuilding for the last three years. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a difference in the in the physique for the sports. <laughs> I like it feels a lot like I enjoy like lifting weights. As I said, it's quite a new like uh, like a new style of training for me. But it's in that it's in sort of like it's an extreme, right? Because either I've, I've been doing a lot of running training, so quite a lot of miles, a lot of track sessions, probably doing like three interval workouts a week when I was running. So that's like a tempo session, like a threshold run, a long run on the weekend, and then a, a track session earlier in the week. So that's like one quicker than race pace, one at race pace, and one one slow long run. And all in between was just easy, steady runs. So that's very different to sort of the, you know, the explosive weight training. But when we were talking earlier about sort of spirit level, the classes that we were attending there were fantastic because it's like a, it's like a mix of the two, which sort of gets the heart rate going, but also there's weights involved as well. And I think that, that certainly gets me super fit, that type of training. So, um, they're enjoyable as well, like, you know, different, different tweaks. So instead of sort of going out and just running around the track or running on the road, you turn up, maybe there's like a different station the last week, you know, new movements that are uh, you know, quite challenging. So I enjoy that side of it a lot. I think it it's good to also do stuff like with, with another group of people as well, rather than mm. just constantly staring at the road in front of you on your own. Like adding that competitive edge in a class adds like another level to your training, which I think is something that we've all sort of benefited from recently. Yeah, one thing on with that, uh, the first time we met Adam, uh, the bike <laughs> came in, it's very, very competitive. So obviously, <laughs> he naturally just fell, fell in place quite easily amongst us. Not that we, we any exceptional athletes amongst us, but um, yeah, uh, we all, we are definitely competitive. Um, I remember the first workout we did with Adam and we were running out of the gym, just doing like, not easy runs, but it's like run to the gate and back into the gym. And Adam was runs. flying off, looking like a, a, a gazelle off in the distance. And we're like, yeah, he's probably going to burn out. Uh, he stuck to it though. Did something in the end a little bit, but um, yeah. So what was that? Watch. Was that in spirit level in Alcus or was that within yeah. a fight? Yeah, okay. it was. No, that was in spirit level in Alcus. I actually, rem- I actually remember, I think it was you and me, Steve, when we looked at each other as Adam, like, tore past us. <laughs> yeah. We were like, who the hell is this guy? One question which I wanted to ask is, you know, last week there was precision events. I mean, did all of you guys participate in precision events and what was the experience like? 
No, so actually only me and Stephen competed um, okay. in the competition last week. Um, and it, it was good. Uh, certainly it tests us in a lot of different ways because although uh, sort of three out of the four events we thought were very sort of cardio-based, there'll be an element of a skill in there. And it could be something as simple as a box jump. And like doing box jumps fast, which is something that we can do box jumps for a long time. But then when it comes to doing box jumps fast, um, it's something that we, we're not quite used to. So that there's, 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 there were sort of small skills in there where we fell short. However, when it came to the run and ski, we knew that was in our wheelhouse. So <laughs> we just absolutely killed ourselves on it. <laughs> but it, it was, it was good fun. It certainly sort of highlights areas of, uh, weaknesses that we need to work on. Yeah, it's definitely a workout. I was a lot more on this side of the CrossFit uh, table versus the endurance, strength endurance type things. Because I think most of the stations was nine minutes or 12 minutes. They varied, I think, between sort of 10 to 12 minutes. Yeah, so the, the one event that we did shine in is uh, obviously a bit more in our wheelhouse, which is the run-ski combo. Um, I think we ended up third overall in that. Yeah, I'm not and sure how. Like the lifting stage, yeah. Uh, the lifting, we we were like pretty much right at the bottom <laughs> ring, and not like we slouches because I mean, for our body weight and people who don't focus on that, we still managed to do some decent lifting, you know. Um, but the level of, of people that took part in a competition, lifting triple digits or stuff like squats, squat cleans. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, yeah, cleans. It's, it's very impressive getting into that triple digits. And is that yeah. an area, yeah, Cheryl, you would be quite adapted <laughs> to, right? I was just going to cut in there because I, I, I didn't do precision last week, but I uh -huh. did, I ju did judge it. Um, okay. I didn't do it because I've had a bit of a shoulder injury and I've been trying to get ready for turf with these guys. So I didn't want to risk anything. Um, and I got to judge probably my favorite uh, workout, which was the cleans, like the Ollie lifting. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to judge these guys, but they were on the platform next to me whilst I was uh, judging. And from, I, I know uh, Stephen will agree with this because I saw him a couple of years, might have been last year or the year before at this Turf Games fair. <laughs> Stephen did it together. And uh, I, it was kind of their clean, clean technique then kind of like if you picture like a giraffe doing a clean or something you know like <laughs> not really sure where your legs are and where the hands go and all of that kind of stuff and now when you watch them like it's massively improved because there's been a lot more focus around that and and it's the same with adam with all of the yeah. weights he's doing you get this kind of newbie games um mm. i get jealous of that because i can't have newbie games anymore because i've been doing it for a long long time so you if I, to start running cheryl <laughs> yeah yeah exactly if i had like two and a half to five kilos on my like lifts i'm like woo. whereas these guys could add like 10 20 kilos in a matter of months because they get the technique like that but yeah it's right what the guys were saying the the competition was very crossfit functional fitness based and if you are like new to Olympic lifting, it's difficult to to come top of the tables in them because you do get women and men just lifting mad weights at that at those competitions because 
it's all technique based basically and once you've got that you can you can rock it up but if you don't get it then it's difficult or if you don't train it it's difficult the mm -hmm. same with me i can sprint I'm a, I'm a fast sprinter but put me on an endurance or something like that and i'll just gas out i'm not a runner at all so yeah yeah you mentioned about endurance and i think george you've done a gogi right <laughs> that was your mad mad event was that yeah. oh, how many hours was that uh so it's it's a 60 hour event um <sighs> and it, it's you you don't know when it's going to start you don't know when it's going to finish um all you do is basically you pay an extortionate amount of money <laughs> to sign up to this event um they'll send you a kit list and, and the place where you need to be staying um and that's that's basically all, all you know um, I mean, it was an experience. I went with uh, a couple of friends from Dubai. Um, I think you might know them, Luke and Ivana. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we went over to the, the, the high Tatras mountains in Slovakia, of all places, um, in the middle of winter. So it's freezing cold. And uh, I just remember being woken up at three o'clock in the morning with a, a loud knock on my door saying, right, time to go. <laughs> so... It was, so yeah, that, that's that's how that started. I mean, like I said, it was it was, it was an experience. Um, and to be fair, the event started with a ten k run. So, I mean, for me, that was that was ideal. Start getting nice and warm, um, and then probably went on the one of the most beautiful hikes into the mountains that I've ever been on, um, which then proceeded with a, a freak snowstorm, um, which kind of set the tone for the rest of the event unfortunately because i think it ruined a lot of plans from the organizers um and it kind of nullified a lot of the a lot of the events that they had lined up uh, so there was a lot of lugging logs up and down an icy hill for five hours um just because there was nothing else to do really um and unfortunately we got to a point where for me luke and ivana we were just so unprepared the clothing we thought was waterproof uh definitely wasn't waterproof um and we got to the point where we were just too cold so sadly we uh we uh we listened to our bodies and 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 ducked out of that one um and then en ended up in a cabin in slovakia stuffing ourselves full of local delicacies and <laughs> and lots of spirits <laughs> so, and, and, yeah and I think right now, Spartan Race, they're having, I'm not sure if it is, or if audition is the right word. So essentially what you do is you need to put a video of yourself doing burpees, cats, uh, holding a couple of stones with some weird weights. And you need to do it with, you know, the bottom level needs to be up till your hip or something. Some weird stuff going on regarding endurance. Yeah. So I think they're going to have that race most likely next year or something. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that thing plays out. But what I wanted yeah. to find out from you guys is, you guys are from different countries. Most of you guys are from the UK. Some of you guys are from South Africa. How does fitness differ in, let's say, back home versus fitness in the Middle East, both in terms of you know fitness facilities that you have? Needless to say, the nature and the climate does make a lot of difference. But what is the biggest difference that you guys have experienced back home versus fitness in UAE? Uh, who wants to take that one? Yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> Uh, I think from my perspective, um, when you move every year, fitness almost becomes a natural denominator of something where which you tend to get 
into because tires. Does anyone hear that? Pachu 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 background noise. No. Yeah. Might be from your end. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's Adam. It's Adam. Okay. I, just, I just muted Adam and it stopped. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's sort of something when you move over here, for me anyways, it became almost like a necessity. Um, number one, because I've always stayed active my whole life. Like just before moving over here, I was actually trying to uh, compete um, for provisional uh, K1 fighting in South Africa. I actually qualified to go to, um, I think, the semis. Um, oh. But yeah, then I had an option of, do I try and pursue this or do I actually move over here to UAE and start a life out here? Um, but yeah, there, and then obviously you get caught up with some of the bad habits that most expats do. Um, but, um, also bad friends. Um, and where, how do you make good friends? Uh, probably from surrounding yourself within better circles. And that's where what you get out of fitness here. And I mean, back home, people don't, I, I would say for in South Africa anyways, um, like we have a very big rugby community yeah. um, and football to an extent and cricket on uh, another level. But um, yeah, apart from those three main sports, things like running, especially when I moved over to UAE, wasn't such a big thing back there, even though we hosted one of the most famous races in the world, which is Comrades. Um, but apart from that, we're not really known for our athletics or any track and field type of events that much. Um, so yeah, it's just a sport that sport, the type of sport you don't really pick up. Um, so yeah, that, I don't know if that really answered your question, but that's my take <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, in South Africa, you know, there's a UFC fighter, you know, called Dirkis Duplessis, you know, he's picking up yeah. pace quite a lot and we had a chat yeah. about it as well. And, you know, he's making yeah. quite a lot of news in the good ways and in the bad ways in the UFC as well. So, you know, South Africa is definitely there. What about from England? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're close. Right. You're finished now, Stephen. I'll, I'll edit no, that. I mean, delete it. Drickers Duplessis is a quite interesting case. Yeah. Um, I mean, because up until now, there hasn't really been in the UFC any any... South African fighter or any real African contender apart from Francis. Um, but obviously he's more in a heavier weight. Um, now we have our own version of UFC. It's called the UFC in South Africa. That was actually why I got into K1 because from K1 I planned to go into that route. So I know a little bit about the fighting scene in South Africa. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, a lot of pride, I would say, from the South African people in 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 that guy irrespective of all the bullshit that's happened with um him and um oh my god israel Adesanya. israel yeah, yeah yeah um yeah i mean a lot of it is probably for show but i think yeah. uh the media as they do ran away with a lot of it unnecessarily um but yeah guy, the guy's a good fighter he's got a different technique than almost anybody in the business. So yeah, it will be good seeing him in his next fight. Hopefully he doesn't injure himself again in training camp. Absolutely, 100%. Well, what about you guys? Cheryl? Uh, yeah, so um, 
kind of, I find the what's on offer in Dubai is a lot different to kind of what you would get back home, back in Manchester, I can speak for. Uh, when I when I was training before I came over here, I used to train in a really old school gym in an old mill. Um, it was a powerlifting gym on the fourth floor. It's still there, actually. It's a family-run gym, and, and and it's I still go back every time I go back. And when I came out to Dubai, I was a little bit like, where can I find that like authentic kind of spit and sawdust kind of gym? Because you can't get a lot of that here. Is very some of it's quite bougie and influencer yeah. and all that, and I, I miss that, but. Now I see um, from, I go to warehouse to train and you can have a bit of both with those, those gyms. You have the main Alcuz one, but then you do have the more bougie upmarket Jumeirah Park one, maybe. Um, and I just find there's a lot more opportunity to do different things. Like I wouldn't have necessarily got into maybe OCR as much when I was at home because nobody wants to run through uh, the rain and hail and mud and snow and stuff doing it. I know, George, you probably do. <laughs> talk about it now, but like, you know, and, and uh, you get kind of a whole array of different gyms you can go to, different classes, different, uh, you can go hiking more here. There's more opportunity for things like that. Uh, you meet people. I, I've met a lot of good friends doing fitness. Um, and doing kind of any activities like that here. So I think that's one of the, the big things I like about living in Dubai. Um, I do miss that old school vibe of home, yeah. but yeah, I think um, it makes you feel, fitness makes you feel a little bit at, more at home as well. If you find the people that you want to train with and, and you feel at home in the gym that you're at. Yeah, I totally think, agree, you know. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I mean, on the, where I'm from in Cambridge in the UK, it was, you either did football or rugby. They were the they were the two sports mm -hmm. that that you typically go and do. Um, and I think it's very. Adam might have a different different point of view on it. I think it's very, depending on which region you come from, almost depends on what kind of sport you fall into. Um, and I th I think like Cheryl says, well, out in Dubai you can literally you can go from being doing a powerlifting session one day to running a track the next day or doing an OCR at the weekend. The, the the variety and the opportunity to just turn your hand and do pretty much anything you want to try out here is is almost limitless and the community is there and they welcome you with open arms which is probably the best thing about it absolutely yeah. what about you Adam yeah it's the same I have the same uh, experience there is that it's about the access to facilities and the quality of the facilities as well there's about two or three tracks uh, within like 15 minutes of me, five or six gyms, and they're all well kitted out and uh, access to classes. The reason I originally went down as well to spirit level was I was training every every time I'm training on my own. So it was good to like get into a group and with that opened up a lot of opportunities and uh, events or competitions that I never even knew existed to be honest. So um, last year when we done Turf Games was my first, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like multifunctional fitness event or however it's sort of labelled. And um, yeah, we ended up winning it. And from that, it was like, okay, well, this is quite cool, something that I enjoy. And then there were races that we've done like in the, in the mountains, the Wadi B race. Uh, there was a couple of other 
I'm proud that was of that. Good, that. <laughs> yeah, it was a really like excellent. I, I can't imagine like there's many many places. Uh, yeah. Was that the Toddy Gear one? Was it? No, it was a seventy. 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 Yeah. Oh, so it was a team relay race, and I mean the only reason we came second is because we were racing against the current OCR Spartan World Champion and a few other monstrous athletes. <laughs> And they're talking about obstacle well, course race, you know, some of you guys have done obstacle course race, but some of you guys haven't. But I don't see any of you guys in obstacle course race. So, at, but I, yeah. But Cheryl, noticed, you know, Cheryl's our new obstacle course racer. Oh, Cheryl, <laughs> do you do obstacle course race? That's working, yeah. So because uh, next year, Tough Mudder is planning to have Tough Mudder Infinity, which is, you know, eight hours of obstacle course race. The prize money is supposed to be massive, definitely much more than what Spartan World Championship is planning to have. So what are your general thoughts about obstacle course race, the good, bad, and the ugly side of it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, can we, how can we be diplomatic about this? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give my brute opinion and then <laughs> you can yours. Like, I think the, at, at its essence, I... I personally still love obstacle course mm. racing, and even now I would still sign up to do it. Um, the problem is it interferes a little bit with the current goals that I'm training for. But mm -hmm. I think when you try and doing it, when you try and do it a bit more competitively, it's a little bit frustrating because the level of how can you say refereeing, judging, and just the spirit of camaraderie by local participants is very shite. Like yep. people, <laughs> and they're willing to cheat, you know, without without feeling bad about it, you know, and yeah. they, they, that's the problem, you know. And if you take part in something and you really worked your backside off, and you try and get on a podium for something, and then you know you you see people not following the exact same rules of the course or that thing. And then on top of that, the umpires or the referees or whatever you want to call them don't do the jobs to police it quite well. Um, it makes you a little bit frustrated to a point where I think that's probably one of the main reasons a lot of us are adventuring off into other stuff as well as um, obstacle course. Don't get me wrong, I'll still do it if I have time. And I here's, a, here's, here's a question for you though, Stephen. Would you sign up and do it competitively or would you do it more for the fun side of things? Uh, probably more towards the fun side of things. Is that just because, I mean, I've, I feel exactly the same. Like At the end of the day, who doesn't love throwing themselves around over obstacles? It makes you feel like a big kid. Um, but when, when the playing field is not level and not equal for yeah. everybody, then it, to me and probably to you Stephen as well like why would you do it competitively when you know you have a clean race but not everybody else has a clean race yeah I mean I'll use the last Spartan race that I took part in which was at I think it was yeah. night Spartan race and yeah. I literally I just came back from a very long winded injury I trained my arse off um, to for, for this race to try and do get it number one to myself that I'm back to the level of fitness that I was not injured. Um, but also, obviously, being competitive, I wanted to um, try and at least be in the top five. I think I did an elite then. And, man, got to the first obstacle and you had a lot of the athletes 
elite athletes just skipping the obstacles. And to an extent that, like, uh, I think it was uh, Atlas Stone Carry, the yeah. first obstacle yeah. as well, yeah. or the sledding. People just running faster, and if you have any self integrity, you're not going to do that. So mm-hmm. I ended up like going through every obstacle, doing everything, and then ended up placing something like 18th, 19th, or wherever. Um, and looking at the time, I still ran a pretty fair time. Uh, Florian, same thing. I don't know, you, you know, Florian. So me and him were actually both going into a team to be quite competitive, and we both just came to the same conclusion on that day that, like, if we if we want to do it competitively, it's not worth it anymore. Um, so yeah, that's where I pretty much hang my head to be competitive and sorted. How was? Uh, a... Sorry, Steve. I was going to yeah, care how tough mother was. Yeah, um, that's what I was just going to cut in about the competitiveness first. For me, obviously, I've mentioned already, like, I'm not a huge fan of the the running side of things. So a lot of the Spartans I've done have been 5 or 10K, but I, I mostly like the sprints. And for me, I've been quite um, disappointed that when they've had them recently in the region, the sprints haven't had a competitive category. So they'll just have a social category, which I'm happy to do that for fun. Like, you know, they'll have an open, I think they call it. but And I will do it for fun, but sometimes it's good to test yourself. And in the in the open ones, I find a lot of stuff, kind of what the the guys have been saying, people are doing it. The obstacles get fully backed up. Everyone is like stopping to take pictures. I did the Ice Warrior Challenge last year yeah. in um in the ski Dubai. And like everyone was holding up the obstacles so they could get their phone out and take pictures. And it was really frustrating when you want to run a race. Yeah. Um, but I did the Tough Mudder over the weekend, actually. For Jerry, uh, for Jerry, yeah, and I actually did it with with uh, some of the girls from work. Now I've, I've been at my current workplace for about two years now, and I've been trying to kind of introduce a bit more fitness or more com- competition or just just a little bit more activity for everyone. Um, and I managed to get ten. I think there was eleven of us in total. Uh, two were our youth council members because I work for the Algarve Foundation, so we have their youth council, and I managed to get. Uh, 11 of us to sign up for it and they sorry George must be must be boring him he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and I, I got them signed up and we've done some training for the past uh, four or five weeks leading up like one session a week on different things and it was a really good event actually um, we did it for fun I did it to expose people to these kind of competitions I knew that it wasn't a race um, I really made it explicit that it's not a race, it's a team building, it's teamwork. And it, all of the, the girl, I say the girls who took part, we had one guy as well from the youth council, but the whole team that took part, they really enjoyed it. Um, they tested themselves on the obstacles. They found it really, really exciting, really fun, out of their comfort zone, but they were all really proud of themselves when they finished it. And I think that's one of the bonuses of doing an obstacle course race is you get to push outside your comfort zone and, and test yourself. And it, it builds camaraderie as well. Spartan, not so much because it's very much individual yeah. effort. Yeah. But Tough Mudder isn't a race. Um, yeah. Tough Mudder is all about teamwork. And uh, and I, I noticed that at the end of the race, they were really happy with, with finishing it. And I was proud that I wasn't able to do that for them, really. And it was ridiculously hot as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we started at nine fifteen, which was a bit of a mistake because uh, once you're on the once you're out in the adventure park, which is 
compared to the other races I've done here, actually, the Adventure Park has come some tough terrain, actually. It's quite uphill, rocky, um, very different. And when you're out in the elements, yeah, it's it was hot. There was uh, a, a couple of uh, competitors, I think, out there and team members who went off with medics and stuff like that. I saw around the course, actually, because of heat stroke and sunstroke and dehydration and things like that. Yeah, and, and you mentioned about some guys, you know, stopping for photographs. I know some stupid guys, they take GoPros and they keep taking videos and absolutely ridiculous and annoying. Right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> That's about me, by the way, because I take two or three photos in my head and keep on taking I, I, think, I think it's fair to do that when you're doing it socially, like when yeah. it's not a competition. If you're out in the elite or the age group and yeah. then, then, you know, you're holding up obstacles because you want to do that, then Correct. that's a, a little bit more. It's more about respect, isn't it, for the other competitors. Absolutely. But when you are doing like Tough Mudder at the weekend, it's fine to have your GoPro or be taking pictures and to mm. just be enjoying yourself because it's not a time race it's it's fun so like you know what in uae i'm hoping one fine day we also have a beer mile oh yeah sure we have that at least as of yeah but hopefully <laughs> next decade time so i'm pretty much sure we're going to have that well what's your experience adam in the obstacle coast race i mean what are your thoughts on that <laughs> to be honest i've never done an obstacle course race i've uh Something that, that hasn't uh, happened. <laughs> do, you think, do you think you'd give one a go? Um, to be honest, probably not now. Um, the reason being is when I'm normally when I'm normally training, if I'm training to race, it's usually for like a specific race or aim or, or time. And these uh, these obstacle races that I've seen out here seem to always be like on sand or. Seems to be like uh, you know, there's there's a reason why it's not uh, doesn't quite work, whether it's like a silly silly distance or whatever it would be. And some of these races, like an eight-hour obstacle race, that that's going to wipe you out for like ten days after. Worth it, though. Yeah. For <laughs> I mean, the prize money, at least. For someone yeah. who signed for a sixty-hour one. <laughs> yeah. But I was I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you, George, in in this tough mother infinity do you yeah. do you feel like this is uh this is tough mother flexing their muscles and putting on a new event or do you feel like this is saudi arabia trying to uh no i think it's definitely himself? tough model definitely an initiated by tough mother because i know the guys they're mm. from south africa duncan and they have had this idea going back to 2020 even before COVID, in fact that they did want to put up a tough mother infinity and they wanted to do it in uae but now because of Saudi vision picking up and the sports festival picking up, so they just got the opportunity to do it over there. I think it would be incredible over there, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. I, th I think it, it, it helps Saudi Arabia as well, like you say, with showing the sporting side of, of the kingdom rather than just sort of what's going on in, in the, the northwest. Yeah. And I think right now there's some festival picking up and they have the first fight between Tyson Fury and mm. Francis Ngannou. Yeah, and that's it's kicking off, yeah the fighting season and sports season hopefully probably in the next decade we might see quite a lot of obstacle course race events over there yeah, i think uh, that tough matter would be a cool cool thing to attend the problem is it interferes a lot with pretty much our biggest event coming up <laughs> yeah, so, me and george anyways um which is the gov games so if it oh, wasn't yeah. for gov games i i would have definitely gone to this yeah but again 
try being competitive, you would actually want to train full time for it. And uh, training for something like golf games is a completely different discipline than um, a full on endurance race that Tough Mudder is having. And am I right in saying in golf games, spirit level was in the top three, right? Was it? Yeah, we finished second. Second. And last year, what was the experience like between last year and this year? If you were to compare it, what is uh, like? I think the, the first year we did it, we kind of, I mean, initially we didn't want to do it. It, oh. was, it was only a friend of ours who, um, who, who made us sign up because the, the qualifying event was a, a decker. Yeah. So, and that was basically what we were training for. So we were like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. We'll give it a go. Um, and I think we ended up placing second in the qualifier, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, which then... And with us all coming back from injuries, like yeah, you were right. pretty much injured. I just came back from my glute injury. Yeah. Um, Tariq was still half sick. Olivier basically hadn't trained for about yeah. five years. Yeah, true. <laughs> and also yeah. going back to, you know, Cheryl's point, when it was the first deck, I don't think so. It was time. There was no competitive category as well for the first one. It was just the open remember. category, right? I can't the, the one in Business Bay. Yeah, uh, I... Honestly, cause I because I remember in my heat, there was just towel and I was just yeah. looking at her. I was like, I can't compete with her. Let me try to go in the next one. Yeah, but I think people were just going to try and put up good times and compare themselves to the global ranking. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Pretty now, you guys are actively involved in hybrid fitness and this is where High Rocks kicks in. So what has your experience in High Rocks been so far? Well, George is the most experienced <laughs> on the topic, so he can go. I mean, we're we're miss we're missing our Mrs. High Rocks. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she'd have been the good one to ask for this after. Was she the one who ran with uh, Mrs. Crew as well? She yeah. was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl will talk for Leanne. Yeah, oh, yeah. I could probably cover it because High Rocks is not my bag. I've not done any High Rocks. I have been a cheerleader at High Rocks events, though. So, uh, but I haven't done, uh, I haven't competed in one. And the World Championship was in Manchester as well, right? Yeah. yeah, it was actually, yeah. And that's when Leanne went to that one, Danny and George. Um, a lot of the Spirit Level crew went across to to the World Championships. Yeah. I think I think coming coming back to your point on uh, Spartans, George, and why people maybe maybe drifting away and what Stephen was saying about the 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 whole racing side of things and yeah. um I think with high rocks because it is so measurable and controlled um that's what people like um and obviously they they've designed it so it is for everybody to to go and do it so you could be from any any background um and you could you could give high rocks a good go um rather than you don't need to train for it specifically um but I know certainly after we did Amsterdam last year, I mean, I, I did mixed doubles with, with uh, Danny. Um, and you finish the race and instantly you have all your run splits, you have your sled push splits, you have your, your lunges split, so you can, you can see where you ranked. Um, and then it, then it gives you that, that sort of like focus to say, right, I need to focus on my burpee board jumps or my running needs to be a bit quicker. Um, that side of things. So, and I think as well that the, the the margin for people bending the rules, shall we say, is uh, is a lot a lot more strict, yeah. um, which again levels the playing field. If you do, if you do something that isn't correct, you do something that's uh, not in not in the rule book. 
you go back 10 meters or it's a no rep. So it's, it's very fair on that front. And how does fusion race compare, let's say, to hybrid fusion, the one which is done by George Crew, the fusion race 2.2? Adam's got brilliant experiences with that one. <laughs> I think there's one coming up in November also, right? There is, yeah. Yeah, November the 4th. I think it's one of the few few events I've done. I, I, I really like it because uh, it's a whole mix of uh, different stations that definitely, you know, build up across the race. So I had it quite hard as we got to some of the later stages, um, even though the weight wasn't, wasn't too heavy. Uh, but yeah, as an event, I think it's quite cool. Again, like you can benchmark the time, see how you get on. It's quite standardized, which, uh, which is definitely a good measure of fitness. I mean, we're always a good turnout as well from what I've seen. I've only done one, which was the last one. And, uh, probably will enter the next the next one on November the 4th. Uh, but from me as well, I've, I've got no experience with high rocks at all. My, my only view on high rocks is I don't believe at the highest level it's a clean playing field. Um, I think that there's the requirement when they start now bringing in prize money for them to look at uh, testing. But again, with that comes a whole heap of costs and other challenges. Uh, but from what I've seen, that, that would be my view on it. But as a mass participation sport, like as George said, it's pretty cool because uh, it is accessible to everyone. It's something that you can benchmark and measure your improvement. And uh, also identify areas that you are weaker or stronger on. So you can go away and work on certain areas that you know will improve your performance next time out. Um, the only other thing that, that for me, like it's a bit questionable on high rocks is like the like the uh, the course layout. So if you've got a you've got a run that's like one lap or four laps, your times are going to be different. If you've got like a sled on a on a map that's particularly sticky, or you've got a rower that's not calibrated correctly, like they're standardising it as much as they can, but there's still that there's still that difference. So mm. when they come out and say, "Oh, there's a world record." Yeah, how much is that down to the course layout and, and the luck of the, the lane draw? Um, and you know, you've got people that are smashing world records here, but like, <laughs> whenever I see that, you see it quite a lot at the moment in, in the running side of things and marathons and half marathons, I always question it because it's, it's those, those sorts of jumps are, you know, quite big to happen over, overnight. Certainly with athletes that have come out of nowhere. I remember when I when I sent you that post on Instagram of the the new world world record in the marathon. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first comment I got back from Adam was, "Yeah, he's juicing." <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that his third marathon ever, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, Chicago one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Recent one, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing because three marathons and pretty much three top ten times or top fifteen times. Um, now, there's also the other um on what you're saying, Adam. It's also how much of it is uh, gear or mechanical doping to that extent. Because, I mean, the, if you compare things like marathon runners now, like Adidas just brought out that one ratio. Um, so there's a lot of pushback from the purest running community to get the shoe banned. Like there, yeah. there was when Nike initially brought out the... 4% before it was happily named the next percent. 
Um, because if you have the money and you can afford a shoe that costs uh, 1,800 dirham, um, and you're going to toe the line with a guy in a half marathon who can't afford that shoe, and he's going to go with an entry-level pair of Nikes or Skechers or something, um, you know, is it really a fair race? You know, that's that's what you've got to ask yourself. Yeah, there's definitely back to it. Though. Originally, in the, in, certainly like in um, like marathon running, when Nike and Adidas released their version of a carbon fiber shoe, it was only available to the elites. And then uh, there were rules that were put in place to say you, you have to make it available on the public market. And then there are now rules in certain countries, like, for example, UK Athletics, they don't allow certain shoes in various races. So Adidas have got a, a shoe on the market, for example, that you can buy, which is a carbon shoe, but the, the heel drop is, is considered too big. So you're not allowed to wear it on a track in a race, and you're not allowed to wear it in various uh, regulated uh, road races in the UK. Is that the Primex you're talking about? That thing with those massive stackites? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like running on, on like uh, like a foam spring, basically. Why, well, make shorties like me uh, about two and a half inch taller. <laughs> I know for a fact for a triathlon or the guys in Tri Dubai, they often post pictures of shoes, you know, that you can't use for different triathlons. And it's, if you use it, you're completely disqualified for the race. So, and one question what I wanted to ask regarding hybrid fusion race versus high rocks, am I right in saying that the only difference between both of them is barbells? That uh, in hybrid fusion race, there are barbells, whereas in high rocks, there is no barbells. Am I right in uh, saying that or am I miserably um, wrong about it? I think there's, there's, I mean, that's one difference. There's, there's many differences. I think the, obviously high, high rocks, you need to hire out. I mean, Dubai is a prime example. You have to hire out the World Trade Center. Um, whereas um, stuff like hybrid fusion is the whole the whole focus is you could put it on in a gym, so it could it could go to pretty much any gym in Dubai if they've got the equipment. Uh, it's pretty basic standard equipment, um, and you could put on a hybrid fusion event. Yeah, yeah, That's and I good. also I also think it's a different. Even though you can consider it as a hybrid event, it, it's actually a completely different race given a time. Um, for, for one thing, there is a very big strength element in it. Mm. Um, where, like, let's say if you're going to go with, what, um, does George call it the elite or what? But yeah, elite. If you go yeah, elite, the yeah, elite, yeah. I think the deadlift is what, 100k? 100k, yeah, yeah. yeah You'll be um, all right with that now, Adam. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it is something you, it really tests you as a hybrid athlete to the extent that, um, like not everyone can deadlift 100k mate like let's say adam last year he would have really struggled to get through the reps of 100k yeah, I've struggled um, last year yeah and <laughs> where with high rocks literally anyone you can almost anyone can even enter the elite it might take you longer but eventually you'll get through it where with um uh hybrid fusion it's a lot more aggressive it's a lot shorter you really rev your engine up a lot higher like I think the first one where I did, I recorded my highest ever heart rate of 206. Um, so, yeah, it is. But, yeah, it's a good, good, well-balanced event. And like George says, it's you can put it on a anywhere. And it's amazing, actually, 
the traction that the event uh, had. Because the first one, uh, no one knew about it, was quite limited. By the last one that was up, I mean, we couldn't even stand and observe anymore. Um, and it just shows you, because uh, being so well-balanced, it draws the attention of people from all different backgrounds. Oh, that's great to know. And, you know, just a couple of months ago, I did have an interview with Yancy, who's, you know, the co-founder of Deca. And one of the questions I asked him, you know, where do you see the next future dominant champion to be from? And he actually said definitely someone from UK. And I was a bit perplexed <laughs> to see why did he say UK. So what do you guys think? What would it take in order to have a dominant world champion, let's say from the Middle East? It could be Xbox as well. But what skills and characteristics do you think it would take to be a dominant champion from the Middle East? It's a big question. It is a big like, question. It's a very big question. I was just thinking um, when you were talking about the fusion race and how it being very much a test of strength as well as endurance and things like that. I don't know if you guys are aware of him, but there's a, an athlete in the UK, for, well, Fergus Crawley. Yeah. He's a hybrid athlete. I. Did, I know him through powerlifting, so from many, many, many years ago. Uh, and now he's a, very much a hybrid athlete. I think his next challenge is a 500-pound deadlift and is followed by a sub-minute, sub-five-minute mile. Yeah. Uh, in the same kind of within, um, like, he's going to do that together. And I watched a couple of the kind of trainings that he's doing. He's, And I would say he's probably one of the, the most pure hybrid athletes I have seen, someone who's got that pure brute strength whilst also having, you know, the the ability to do multiple triathlons in a day, you know, Ironman and things like that, as well as, you know, do a powerlifting meet on the same the same kind of week. Um, and I think you need someone maybe similar to that who has that strength level, but also the endurance and could can apply that in a race such as Fusion or High Rocks or, I mean, there's a big space now for hybrid fitness and who knows what's going to come next. There's DECA as well. Obviously, yeah. DECA has the three different levels, the the mile, the fit and the strong, I believe. I think strong and, strong and mile is as far as I'll go with those ones. <laughs> Fit's a bit more, is it 500 meters running in between? Yeah. They had one uh, yesterday, I believe, in uh, Russell Kema, right? Oh, really? Or in Arlene. Yeah, they had Dekaman yesterday <laughs> in Arlene. I'm not um, sure. I couldn't see anyone actually from Dubai attending that. This was that one. Nah, do you know, I, I think those events have been very poorly advertised. Yeah. I think they just posted via Instagram story. They don't post it as yeah. for someone to actually watch it as well. You know? Yeah, oh, I mean, sure. In fairness, the one we did in Abu Dhabi, uh, yeah. Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center, Digital Shield did a very good job of setting it up, hosting it. It was genuinely, I think, probably my one of my favorite decals I've ever done. I think that was good fun, man. Yeah. It uh, was just outside the cruise and everything, right? Sorry, sorry. Uh, it was outside the terminal, I believe. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that was the Decker Strong. Strong, that was Decker Strong, okay. Strong, yeah, then they did the, the Decker Mile in uh, Adnec, um, okay. in the fitness fitness area in Adnec, actually in, in one of the cricket nets, bizarrely. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was a good event, that. I was, I was actually, I came across this the other day, I don't know if you saw this, George, that Decker announced an Ultra World yeah. Cup. Yeah, an <laughs> Ultra, which yeah. is quite mad, yeah. 
which is tw- 25 kilometers, 50 zones. Yeah. Wow. That would be cool. I'll say for those sports, I do have this feeling that Ryan Atkins will definitely try to switch into hybrid fitness. What do you guys think, think of that? I think Atkins now has, has switched more to that super long distance. Sky running, yeah. Sky running, the long mountain biking. He, he, he's, he just loves being out in nature and racing. I think if you say to him to come and do something indoors, I don't, I don't think it really interests him. And I think one thing for him is, you know, he's not doing it for money. He's doing it for competition. Mm. You know, that is something which is driving him. Now, one question which I'm noticing, you know, when I'm talking to you guys is, I think each and every one of you guys have a full-time job, but you guys are extremely passionate about the fitness world as well. And I do quite a lot of interviews, you know, with CEOs from the corporate world. And one thing which I try to identify passion versus what you're good at a lot of the time people do feel that you know they're following the passion but in reality they're following something what they're good at so regarding fitness is it passion or is it something that you're good at what do you guys have to say regarding that individually i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say it's something that i mean for me it's not something that i'm naturally good at being into fitness is, is something that I've always done, um, whether it be playing football from the age of six back in the UK and then carrying that on out here. Um, but it's certainly something that I like to work towards because it makes you feel good. Um, I think it's important as well, certainly for me, that I have to have that competitive element um, about me because then it helps me with my job, with my everyday life. I think if if you're not going to be competitive in life, then then you're you're just settling for for being average, um, and like for me, I always want to be pushing. So yeah, that's that's my kind of take on it. Yeah, I'd like to hear Adam's take on this. Hmm. Yeah, I get. I think uh, like um, definitely, if you're consistent in something, you see the improvements, right? And that that then motivates you to. Uh, to keep going, certainly if you have targets and aims. For me, uh, definitely helps set the routine. So I like to get up early. I'm normally up by six o'clock each morning, get a workout in, whether that's gym or or training. Like in the summer, uh, I was I was track training, so I was I was down at the track Tuesdays and Thursdays, normally by sort of quarter past five in the morning, getting that done, and then um, getting on with the day. Uh, like this, today, I, I trained twice, ran this morning, went to the gym this evening to, to sort of have both of those in. And uh, then normally it's quite early to bed, so it's quite, it's quite structured. But uh, definitely um, there's a different feeling that, that I get from running because I find it quite relaxing. Like, it's like you can switch your mind off and just, uh, you know, you get a lot of clarity in your thoughts and... And you feel good after whereas I, I feel more like in the gym if you're lifting it's like uh there's a short period where you have to really concentrate and then you're sort of recovering or it's a different type of feeling to me but it's, it's because it's not as natural to me as, as as running which is basically sort of the background that i came from different elements like uh but overall you know it's that feeling that you get after a workout it's, uh, quite hard to compete with it's like a kind of addictive uh was yeah. uh, release of um 
know what you call it. Like. Endorphins. Endorphins, yeah. Endorphins, that's the one. Do you, do you feel like as well, Adam, do, moving on to the weight side of things, it's pushed you out of your comfort zone a bit as well? Yeah, massively. I've gone to the gym loads, haven't had a clue what I'm meant to be doing. It's sort of faff around from one machine to the other. And then it wasn't until, you know, speaking to you guys and you were saying, like, Cheryl sent me some stuff on, like, how to structure a workout and, like, templates to follow. I went in and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this today. Whereas before, I, I could have been the guy that was, like, using the, the machine the wrong way and and then sort of, like, on the phone for 10 minutes and then, okay, don't really know what I'm doing, so I'll leave. But now, it feels like a bit more... There's a bit more to it, so um, definitely if you've got if you've got a well structured plan, you know what you're doing, uh, and you're consistent, then you definitely start to see. Well, I start to see like the the results come back. And when it comes to running, you have the runners high as well, right? You know that gets ridiculously addictive as well, and you just want to go out for a run. <laughs> You know, now with my mates, even if I have to go for a couple of pints, I was like, you know what, let me just go out for a run, then get a double high, just get a couple of pints later on. That's it. You, I mean, if you're, if you're running a lot, you can eat what you want as well. Yeah. You can do what you want. And again, it's very measurable. Like you've got apps now like Strava, Garmin Connect. Uh, you can come back and see, you know, how your heart rate's improving, how your training's going. So it's quite measurable. But what I also feel, I, I uh, I see a lot in like, having structure to it, right? Because it's very easy. You might feel good one day, go out and blast a run. But, you know, what's the purpose of that run? What what are you trying to achieve from it? If you're, if you're sort of running hard one day, but it doesn't fit in with the week, then actually you're, you're sort of uh, compromising what you could be doing later in the week to get like a training effect. For example, uh, as I mentioned there, like I, I try and do one threshold run a week threshold is like just sitting just above where your body's like generating lactic and being able to deal with that that uh, that zone but if you run too hard on that then actually you're moving it into a different area of, of work so even though you feel like you're working really hard and it feels like you're getting great benefit actually you're it's detrimental because you're not training in the correct zone therefore the next day you don't recover properly and then you're on catch-up for the rest of the week whereas you know, it's again trying to make sure that you're consistent across the week in the sessions that you're doing and, and running running to hit the the objective of the workout as opposed to that you feel really good and you're just gonna try and hammer it off or whatever you're doing. I think I think as well that sort of like that, like you're saying there, your recovery and how you feel it. A lot of that and Stephen can probably vouch for this as well, is is down to like our jobs as well. Yep. Is sometimes your jobs can be so demanding that you've got a big run or a big session planned for the next day and you've pulled a big day at work the day before you've worked a lot later and then your body hasn't quite recovered from the day before and then you you have to adjust your session so it's almost like an added training element where we have to listen to our bodies after a full day's work or even sometimes a week or, or months um and you have we we have to tailor our sessions towards that we don't, unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of some of these athletes out here who are the coaches in gyms and they, they have all the time in the world to get their recovery and rehab sessions in. We have a very select few hours a day that we get, get that chance to, to do those, those types of things. 
And I think Absolutely. this is where the passion element comes in, what we were asking about, George. Um, because, look, I do believe to a certain extent, you, if you do anything long enough or hard enough, you can become relatively good at it. So, it's like I'm talking top 5% in the thing, it's really the 0.1%. Um, of people that has that, that, that significant outlier that is really the, the distinguish, uh, that you can really distinguish. And those are the type of people that can just go out and run a 245 marathon the first time they do it without doing anything. But for most people, you've got to change. I mean, another interesting case, there was this British journalist a couple of years ago. Um, he's gone and done a VO2 max test. Um, he, he had a goal of running a sub three hour marathon and they told him, look, you, you will take you like five odd years of training to be able to do that given your current condition and bloody, 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 bloody. And a guy decided, you know what? I like running anyways. So I'm going to prove these guys wrong. And a guy transformed himself in two years and he ran a sub two hour, 45 minute, uh, marathon. He took it on full time, obviously. Um, but that just goes to show if you really throw yourself at something, um, you can do it. And what George is touching on is very true. Like, if you like something or, uh, enough, you will make it fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, as you also become better and you start see, seeming to be the, he's good at it, um, or natural ability, um, and you, you, you actually start becoming competitive. Um, and for a lot of people, I mean myself specifically, the more I become competitive, the more passionate I get about something. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily about competing against other people, it's also competing against yourself, you know. What about you, Cheryl? Uh, I think kind of for me, some some people would say, is it stupidity or is it passion? Um, <laughs> as I, I've had uh, three knee operations in my in my time um, from playing football, two of them from playing football. And one of them, I, when I moved over to Dubai and decided to go down the dark alley of CrossFit, which was always a no-go for me as a, from powerlifting. And I, I went a bit too hard and I knew I shouldn't go that hard on my first couple of weeks and got the same knee injury that I'd been suffering with back in the UK um, from football. So yeah, that was my third operation. Um, and it made me really readjust how I train. I stopped playing football, um, moved to powerlifting because it was easy, safer. Moved to Dubai, took on that kind of CrossFit initial cl- couple of uh, classes or trial and, and got injured again. And I really had to reassess what I wanted to do. Um, at the time, I was working um, out here developing a, the physical education curriculum. So I had to be, you know, fit as well and not um laid up at home injured so it made me reassess what my training was it made me think i need to be clever about this if i want to stay fit and stay doing fitness for a long time which i plan on doing um so now i really do know my limits i think and know where i can push and where i can't push and and like george says you have to listen to your body and some some days i'll wake up and i'll have that not as much as i did in the uk because it's not as cold here but I get that aching, awful pain in my knees and I'm like, today's not a running day or today's not a, a squatting day. Today's a something else kind of day. And, um, but yeah, I try and fit 
fit my training in with my work, with having a social life, with having a dog, um, and and try and make sure that I get the best of both worlds and stay healthy as well. I'm not ready for a fourth operation. <laughs> yeah, I think you know active recovery is definitely definitely important. Now, listen, guys, what I'm going to do is you know I'm just going to ask a different question. So what I did was you know earlier just before going live on this episode, I took all of the questions and I put it on ChatGPT. <laughs> and I asked ChatGPT, okay, come up with a really interesting question. So what I'll do is I'll just read it out word for word. And I'd really be curious to get your response on that. And after that, we have a few questions regarding fitness and some regarding metaverse and cryptocurrencies. The question regarding artificial intelligence is this. Is there a particular mantra or philosophy that has guided you to the path of success that you'd like to share with others? This is like an artificial-based question. <laughs> Um, for me, my my personal let's say mantra is never settle. Mm-hmm. Never settle settle for anything. Like always yeah. challenge yourself, or challenge the status quo, or challenge. But just don't ever settle that uh, for anything. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, I think I think as well. Sort of add on that is uh, I think Stephen's seen this quite a lot with with some of the the mad things I've done over the last couple of years is say yes, work it out later. So rather than sit down and think about things, because the moment you sit down and think about it, you'll talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say yes, like you're committed, and then it's like, yes, right. Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It is. I mean, that's exactly what I did with the Agogi. I was like, I mean, I had a vague idea of what it was. I said yes, and then it was like, right, I'm doing it. So now I just need to get ready for it. Is that something you do at your work life as well yeah. or just in fitness as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Def- there's definitely a massive crossover in how I approach my fitness and my goals in my fitness um, and my work goals, 100%. What about you, Adam and Cheryl? Um, for me, I think it's very similar to what Stephen and George have just said, really. It's... it's um... If you put your mind to it, kind of you can you can do it. I know that's very much a cliche, but also it's having an openness as well to experience. Um, I know I joked before about saying I moved over to the dark side when it came to CrossFit, but there was very much, and there still is, if you look at powerlifting, you look at strength sports, yeah. and you look at CrossFit, or you look at endurance. There's like this segment of fitness where oh, I don't do that because that's what the others do, and now I just find myself. If there is an event, I'll give it a go. I'm not. I'm and I'm not saying that's what that I'll give Hyrox a go because I know that, <laughs> that now. But I mean, I, I I'll be open to things and I'll try it. And if I, I'm not the best at it, then it is what it is. At least you've kind of give it that opportunity. And I think that's why I ended up doing things like Spartan, yeah. things like Tough Mudder, um, going on and doing the Under Armour challenge, which was on Kite Beach many years ago when I knew it was a, Leanne and I both did that one and we were way out of our comfort zone because we was all CrossFitters. And we got to the semi-final and I started doing strict pull-ups and they were all doing these butterflies and I was like, this is not <laughs> And I think, but I, I think that's the thing, you just have to be open and, and, and willing to give things a go. So that's great. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I definitely agree with what, what the guys have said there. Um, the only thing I would add on it is really, it's like individual, right? So how 
what you would you consider success or, or to be successful is definitely different for each individual. But um, you know, it's then consistency is key. So you know, the sum of incremental gains add up to to what that result would be. Uh, so from what I've you know, from my experience, definitely you can be consistent at something, then you know, you should should get there at some level. Absolutely great. And now uh, take us to a darkest moment in an event, in an actual uh, event where you guys felt, you know what, this is not for me. It's too much of pressure. And why did you sign up for this event? What was that exact specific moment and how did you guys overcome it? And I'm sure, you know, Stephen he had put up a picture on his Instagram about, you know, weightlifting, which, you know, you failed, but later on smashed it. But what was the exact moment in a particular race event? Feel free, anyone. I'm trying to... <laughs> I've got <laughs> me, for me, there's a, there's a standout point, which was, uh, uh, was the fusion race. There's like a station, which is sandbag, reverse sandbag lunges. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember just putting the bag on and after about five or six, I was like, I can't imagine I've got to do another you know, 34, 35 of these reps. And I just dropped it to the floor. And I think, like, I had a couple of mates there. George was definitely there, sort of encouraging me. And it was like, there's, there's no option. You've got to finish it. So that was definitely tough because it, that was a movement that I hadn't hadn't done before. I was paying for it a couple of days later, still with like muscle soreness and, and that. But uh, you know, sometimes you just need a bit of a push to get outside your comfort zone and, and get the job done. Yeah. Who wants to go next? I was just going to add to what kind of Adam was saying there. I I don't think, for me, I've not I've not regretted doing a an event because I only kind of enter ones that I'm really excited to do. But I have questioned my life choices when I'm in it. So it's not like I <laughs> regret it, but it's like, and because these competitions, like especially things like turf games, they do push you to your limit yeah. and. And you are kind of, uh, there was one event last year with the sandbag. I can't remember how heavy the sandbag was, but you had to run it around after doing a lot of box jumps and, and dumbbell snatches. And the sandbag was huge compared to me. Like, so it was quite heavy running around. I was just looking at the finish line thinking, am I ever going to get to that finish line? And then uh, Stephen and I were in the same team last year. And the guys um, were for, for turf games, we had to hold this rope and go for a 200 meter run, I think it was. And I was with Stephen and, and Tarek and they're like beastie runners. And I'm just like, you, you're gonna have to, you know, allow for me. And they just sprinted off and I'm just like, I've got little legs, like, wait. <laughs> and it was things like, but for me, if I'm in the moment, I can kind of switch off and just do it. It's like you block everything out and you, you know you're hurting, but you just carry on. And I don't know if it, it's not a fitness thing because I can show you my watch at the end of it. I'm, I'm at 208 beats per minute. So, you know, and that's not where it should be physically possible for me to be. So I think it's a mental thing. Like, um, even when I go running, the guys laugh at me because I'll do a 5K at 180 and just be happily sat there at 180. And that's not normal, but it is for me. <laughs> I think I think my mine isn't necessarily an, an event that I've been in, but I do 
I remember doing a, this is when I first started training with George Crew, um, and he got me to do a, an, an hour's math test, um, which is basically just a, a low steady state run, controlled heart rate, um, and see what distance you get. And it was in winter in Dubai, so good, good weather conditions in the evening. Um, and I remember getting halfway through this test, and I was keeping my heart rate at 150 beats a minute, and I was running that slow that a family were walking next to me faster. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like this was, this was after three or four years of me binging the typical expat life in Dubai, um, and then decided to to give myself a kick up the ass. But that moment for me was was I could have easily given up then. And in my head, all I wanted to do was give up and say to George, do you know what, mate? This ain't for me. I'm going to go back to my brunch in every weekend and, and beers <laughs> after work. But like it, that was that was me going, no, come on. Like this is the start of a journey now. Get on with it. Almost like you have to psych yourself up, push yourself, and then yeah, it was it was it was all uphill from there. That's right. What about you, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, the closest I ever came to really actually tapping out uh, mentally was um, my first ever 50k I ran. I ran a mm. solo 50k at Kudra. Was that the bike run and bike thing that no, you no, did? No, 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 no. So one, one week I woke up and decided, you know what, this coming weekend I'm, I just want to try and do <laughs> what is the hardest thing that I can do and at that point I've never gone, like I've done a marathon but then I thought, fuck it, you know what, let's just go and see what, a, what it feels like to be ultra. So woke up, drove to Kudra 4 a.m. in the morning, had a vest on. Um, so if you know Kudra, where the Zad's coffee shop is, so it's basically to do a 50, you got to run a K short of where the bridge is on the opposite side of the road. So got, to the, got there and I'm like, yeah, I might as well just go to the bridge uh, and then ended up turning back. And um, so then I was 26k in and around about 35, so got close to back to where you would reach a mo the mosque, it's about 35k's in. Um, I just hit the wall from every aspect. Um, it got very hot, um, I was out of water, I had, uh, I don't know how to politely say this, but I had uh, the runs, my stomach was not agreeing with me. Um, <laughs> There's nowhere to use a toilet. <laughs> so I had to like duck behind little bushes when there's no cars. And then luckily I had a, a actual Ziploc bag with some tissues and shit with me. I was going to say, what um, did you put in that Ziploc bag? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I started getting quite, quite uh, dehydrated as well. Um, and even though I like knew the mosque is only another like 5k away or whatever it is, uh, it was probably like the hardest 5k in my life because you can't run, you can't walk, it's too painful to walk. So I was so close to uh, tapping out. Um, uh, I don't exactly know what I did, but uh, I just decided, you know, and it's like, I, I don't think I have the ability to give up mentally. Um, I'll rather, 
and George Crew actually say, said this a couple of years ago, and I think that's one thing that popped up in my head. He'll rather let his body break than let his mind break. He heard this on some podcast, and it stuck with him, and that stuck with me as well. Um, but yeah, I, shit like that just kept going through my mind. Like, if your legs can still go forward, you know, there's no reason your mind should give up. If you're not literally lying on your back, then yeah. you can't give up, you know. And I still, I also remember I did all of this without even music on. Um, so I didn't have headphones in. I just, so that that's the deepest, darkest time when you don't have any music pumping in your ears or podcast yeah. and yeah. you're so close to the edge. And eventually I got comfort out of it, like knowing I'm right at that limit, you know, and anything uh, or I almost felt a bit, I had a bit of a runner's eye. Like the closer I got to the mosque, because I started suffering from delusions of grandeur. Like at that moment when I saw the mosque, and I know it's like a half a k away, I'm like, yeah, no other person would have done this. You are the best, you know. And I mean, that was short lived because after I got to the mosque, refueled, got my electrolytes in because I had the fizzy tablets, I pretty much had to walk with minor jogs in between the rest of the 10 k's. Um, but yeah, then all that also goes out the window and you see guys like David Goggins who goes and yeah. runs 200 miles with a similar mantra and then you're like, yeah, I'm nothing, uh, <laughs> different level. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you so much for that. Now I just have one question, which, you know, will be uh, fitness related. And then I just have a few questions, which is more about cryptocurrency and blockchain related. And we'll try to wrap it up, you know, pretty quickly. And the one question that I wanted to ask you guys is, and this is something which I'm really liking because, you know, a lot of you guys have a full-time job and I still consider you guys as elite level athletes. What message do you have for you, someone like me, let's say, who's just a casual guy into fitness? What message do you have to go ahead and push it a little bit harder than, let's say, just a regular gym goer? I think uh, I want to go first on this. Um... But, Sorry, uh, I missed the question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just asking, you know, what message do you have? So let's say a casual or general gym goer like me to go ahead and push a bit further. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, according to me, you guys are like the elite level athletes. You know, I see some of you guys and to be honest, I kind of try to run away from you guys because you guys are like professional athletes. So what message do you have or words of encouragement that you guys have for people like me in particular? Look, uh, from my point of view, it's... Never be afraid to go and try and try something hard because you will always surprise yourself. If you throw yourself at something, you will you will never let yourself down. You'll always surprise yourself and you'll always come away better than what you went into something. That's absolutely wicked, yeah. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I mean definitely we're not we're not elite elite athletes. Uh <laughs> For that compliment definitely uh i think we're all doing it for fun at the end of the day and uh that's definitely something you've got to keep in mind and it's how you get that fun is it from being competitive is it from setting goals is it from being consistent but that that's basically uh what i would put forward is that find something that you enjoy doing and uh and keep doing it that's what yeah I, I think you're spot on there adam um i mean look at Look at obviously our turf games team, right? I mean, even last year, Adam, we put a team together 10 days before the event. Like, nobody necessarily knew each other, but we all got on with each other. We had fun whilst doing it, and we all knew how to push each other when it came down to it. 
Um, and I think if you if you if you surround yourself with a group of people that you you know each other, you know their strengths and weaknesses, you want to help and see 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 that person improve, um, but also have a lot of fun at the same time, then that's when you know you're in the right in the right place. And I think people just need to, like Stephen says, take that jump because you'll only regret regret it if you don't do it. Uh, yeah, for me, I think it's kind of a combination of what everyone has already said. Um, you have to you have to do something that you enjoy. I think a lot of people start a fitness journey um, doing what they think they should do. So they think they should they should start going out for a run, or they think they should go to a class and they should be enjoying it straight away. Or and and sometimes it's just if you like something, you're going to go back and you're going to keep doing it. Um, surround yourself with people that are, are similar minded, um, who can push you like George just mentioned. Um, for me, I'll go to, I'll train on my own weightlifting and things like that all day. But if it comes to endurance stuff, I like to be in a class because they give me some accountability and they give me a little bit of a push and they're doing it. So I'll do it. Um, so really just pick, pick your lane and, and then you know, you. I think that's when you get off to a, a flyer. But don't be, don't be scared of trying something new. And I found that at the weekend with um, with the guys from work, none of them thought that they would be able to do a tough mudder five weeks ago. And they all got to, they all got their, you know, their finish, the finish headbands and their finisher shirts. And they had a couple of minor injuries and stuff, but everyone came out with a smile on their face and they're ready to do another one. Um, or maybe not another Tough Mudder, but another something, <laughs> you know? So I think you just have to really give anything a go and, and don't be afraid to fail. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for that advice. And, you know, I was speaking to the organizer, Duncan, that initially back in 2017, after the race, they used to have beer stalls where you could have a couple of pints, but they've completely stopped that. They did have it in Al Watba for the Spartan World Championship, you know, that you could have a couple of beers and a couple of drinks. And our Desert, uh, Desert Warrior Challenge, they had it in Ajman as well. So it'll be good to have, you know, a bit of post-run celebration as well. Now, I have uh, a couple of questions which is more to do with technology, and I'll try to do it uh, really easy and short and sweet. Regarding Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, what are your honest thoughts? Do you think it's legitimate, utter shite, or... Or is it something that, you know, we need to be cautious about? What are your honest thoughts on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? <laughs> this is opening the can of worms here, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah, there are mean, around about 27,000 cryptocurrencies. And in the world of Bitcoin, we call it as Bitcoin and Shitcoin. Yeah. So those are I mean, the two I'll, different I'll be, that I, I went down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole a few years ago. Um, and it's not one that I want to go back down again. So I'm very... <laughs> I'm very I'm very pro cryptocurrencies in the fact that I believe in the in the probably in the not too distant future that um, a lot of economies could be based on on blockchain and, and use cryptocurrencies as their, as their everyday currency. Um, but that that's that's almost as far as I, I go into it now. That's good. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, you and me have quite a bit of trust yeah. on crypto, George. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm a full believer in it. Whether or not it will be used as form of legal legal tender one day yeah. remains to be seen. Apart from Bitcoin being adopted as currency in a few countries, 
Um, but it's more about the, I think the technology behind uh, uh, blockchain with you, what is interesting. Um, I mean, I'm very pro a certain kind of crypto and I'm not sure if I should shout it out, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's where when you have like full system governance of things yeah. like IDs or that sort of thing, um, which crypto can do um, with smart contracts or when you're trying to change the world of telecommunications where which stuff like WMT is doing, yeah. um, connecting a whole island to internet, which wasn't a case two years ago, and now you're sitting with 30% of Zanzibar being connected. So yeah. that sort of things make me super ambitious. Unfortunately, with any emerging technology, there's a few sides to it. It's like, number one is the naivety of people who don't know, don't care to know, and they'll judge it, um, yeah. assuming that is bullshit. Uh, the other side of it is you'll get smart people who take advantage of people who's willing to dip their toes in it, and basically that's where the rules come from. So with that, it makes the two percent or one percent of the companies is really honest and into it to change the world. It makes it very hard for them to actually shine and bring through the message that crypto is supposed to have and what uh, what the What's his name? Satoshi. Satoshi initially Nakamoto. had uh, in mind for when, when he started Bitcoin yeah. in the late 2000s. Yeah. What about you, Cheryl? What are your honest thoughts about Bitcoin? <laughs> you know what? For me, I I dabbled in it or had a had a read about it um, a couple of years ago, but I've never really took to it. Um, I think I did, you know, get an account and buy buy a couple of bit. Like, you know, I won't say a couple of Bitcoin, and that's a lot. <laughs> um, and dabbled in the idea and, and tried to learn a little bit about it. But I just, it just wasn't really my my thing. Um, I, I am very much aware of, I don't know if you, uh, I'm into like a lot of true crime. And uh, oh, yeah. the, I can't remember the name of her. The, she, was, she was coined the, the crypto queen and she scammed yeah. for 4 billion. And um, she was supposed to be from Dubai. Yeah, yeah. And I just find that fascinating because it is, like Stephen said, it, there is a lot of um, opportunity for people to be uh, scammed when it comes to kind of cryptocurrency. If you don't understand it or if you're naive enough to think that you can become a billionaire overnight with it. And I think that, that's one of those. And I, it was a couple of years ago that it really took off in the mainstream i think with things like uh dogecoin and all yeah. that with elon musk and all of that kind of stuff and i think that's what really brought it to the forefront of everyone's conversation isn't it that is correct and speaking about true crime right now the trial of the century is going on about sam bankman fried mm -hmm. you know who do people for billions of dollars so essentially it was like an mll mlm on mm -hmm. top of a Ponzi scheme. So, you know, he's an absolute legend. And during the court trial, he actually said that he wanted to become the president of the United States as well. <laughs> so knowing well, the status of US politics, definitely possible. <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that, again, this is the issues of a guy like Sam Bankman free because I think Forbes yeah. magazine coined him yeah. like the next, uh, what do you call it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, like a philanthropist. Buffett, and... uh, yeah, they yeah, coined yeah. him the Warren Buffett of crypto. <laughs> um, and everyone assumed everyone else is doing their research about FTX and it's yeah. like, yeah, 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 the due diligence is there and blah, blah, blah. 
but very few people behind the scenes has asked the question, where is the money and where is the yeah. money going? And no one seems to be like following up on that. Um, so, well, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, one, one uh, podcast has said it a couple of months ago uh, is like if people at that higher level, even yeah. on government level, were dumb enough to fall for it, then that's off to Sam Bankman, you know, for, for putting the wool under the, over their eyes. What is really crazy is that his accounting work for $16 billion was done on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan <laughs> talked about it day before yesterday. And the reason being he didn't know that other software existed, which is a bit bizarre and strange, you know. What about you, Adam? What are your thoughts on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? He's a fan of it or dislike it? Uh, to be honest, I don't really think about it at all. <laughs> best way is the best way. Yeah. <laughs> Stay, stay away, stay away from it. Is my, is my <laughs> view purely because of the, the unknowns. I, I, uh, I don't understand what drives the demand, and what, what uh, impacts a lot of the fluctuations. So, yeah. for me, it would, it would just be uh, too much of a risk. So, I, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that well alone. Totally, that's totally like, valid point. That's now, like so far, Adam and Deadlift two years ago. Like, oh, what is this magic? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the only thing I can say is that a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists, they are very much into endurance running. I mean, I know of certain Bitcoiners, you know, they go for like half a marathon run pretty much every second day. And that is one commonality I find regarding Bitcoin, death metal, and, you know, let's say running as well. Now, the final question that I have is regarding uh, technology as well. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, where fitness merges into this. Now, George, I'm pretty much sure you've heard about Metaverse because Pickle is already in the Metaverse. So with Metaverse gaining momentum, let's say in the next three to five years, hopefully we might be having podcasts in Metaverse. How do you think fitness, let's say endurance or hybrid fitness fits into the Metaverse? Do you think it works or do you think it's just a bit of nonsense, really? I think I think the whole metaverse a couple of years ago when it came around in in the, in the recent bull run was the very early stages and everybody was testing it. Um, I certainly know for pickle we 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 tried it didn't really work. It, it was it was more of a more of a I don't know a, a fad at the time than anything else. Um, I think now with AI taking leaps forward, how it has will. Have a, a positive in, impact on the metaverse and AI in the metaverse, um, and potentially, I mean, you see, do you remember the movie like Ready Player One, for yeah. example? You'll start to see more stuff like that, and maybe fitness races happening in the metaverse. Who knows? It could be, it could be a, a possibility. Maybe not now, but certainly further down the line. Yeah, probably next couple of decades. Yeah, that is definitely possible. Mm. What about your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, I think. Uh... Actual fitness, it doesn't belong in the metaverse at the moment. Uh, it, I mean, fitness should be an escape. To a certain yeah. It shouldn't be something that locks you down. Um, like what Adam was saying, like his mind is clear and he's free when he goes and runs. Um, so, what, what sort of fitness? Number one, you can have it in a very fixed, controlled environment where you're tied down, let's say on a orbital treadmill or some sort, you know, um, where you wear something in your face or let's say biking. But 
yeah, I, I think it's not really escaping. Um, and this is one of the key beauties of fitness. It gives you a certain amount of escape, especially people who sit behind screens all day anyways and who has a very driven uh, or a very demanding job. Um, we, we all touched on this earlier, if you um, about uh, when your career is the morning, uh, having that fitness is a little bit of an escape when you go out for a run, for example, and you see a few trees in town square around you, you're very happy, you know. Um, so, yeah, I genuinely don't think it belongs. Not not now, anyways. Very valid point. What about you, Cheryl? What are your thoughts on Metaverse? Is it just hype or is it something you'd be looking forward for in the next couple of years? Um, I think from a fitness perspective, I'd, I'd probably stand on the same side as what, what Stephen said. Um, but given the the field that I work in now in higher education, um, we're working with helping universities to, to move their, their courses and programs online. And I've seen a lot of uh, movement with AI and with potential metaverse. There was a conference I went to a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, talking about maybe a university within the metaverse. So yep. it's, you know, you attend your classes, but you are side by side with someone. Uh, you're in your own front room, but it feels like you're in the university. Yep. Um, and it really takes online learning to the next level, way, way beyond what we saw during COVID when it was a teacher stood in front of a, like, like what we're doing now. Yeah. But I, I think there's a, there is um, space for things like that. But I think with fitness, I am quite a Puritan and it should be out in either an outside in the, the real world, whether that be in a gym, whether that be up a mountain hiking, whether that be on a track or something like that. It's a form of escape, and it, it it shouldn't necessarily be within a screen, like in a confined confined to a screen. But then again, some people don't have that opportunity, so maybe it works for people of determination, gives them a different experience when it comes to fitness. Could be utilized in that way. What about you, Adam? What are your thoughts on fitness or running in the metaverse? Yeah, it's the same as, uh, as what Cheryl said. Really, is that use cool technology i'm yeah. sure there's a real use case and business application for it but i don't at this point see it as being fitness i think it's almost uh the opposite of fitness to be honest and uh yeah i don't see how that will change you know unless they you can plug into an avatar and start training your avatar in the metaverse i don't see how they can really do it unless it's, it's like an approach that you used to have on the Wii where you could mm. jump out in front room playing tennis. But even then, uh, you know, there's a difference between like entertainment and fitness. So I'm not convinced at this point in time. Totally agree. And MetaQuest, they have just launched uh, the new version called MetaQuest 3. I think it just got released five days ago. It's going to be having a mixture of augmented reality and mixed reality as well. So, you know, at least in the next couple of decades, you know, we might see what it is. Now, I just have two questions, and after that, we'd wrap this thing up. Sorry, before question... you go on, yeah. George, what's your opinion on the matter? Uh, for me, according to Metaverse, I do think it might take at least, at least a decade to get mainstream adoption. And Dubai government wants to change GDP, that is gross domestic product, to Metaverse domestic product. Now, surprisingly, one of the highest earners in Meta or MetaQuest is actually fitness-related apps, but it's more to do with Zumba classes, you know, and uh, the, the size of the headset will eventually go down 
to the size of, let's say, wearing your sunglasses, eventually contact lenses as well. And you're looking at at least a decade's time. So imagine wearing just your contact lenses. It's kind of like a Black Mirror episode, isn't it? Mm. You know, you go outside for a run, but you feel that, you know, you're doing the run outside. And the key thing about Metaverse is they'll be able to capture all of your five senses as well. Your smell, hearing, listening, all of those things. But less than a decade's time, hopefully. <laughs> so the next question what I wanted to ask you guys is, and this could be just a one-word statement as well, if you were stuck on an island, which gym equipment would you take and why? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, mine would uh, have to come with accessories because I would say a barbell squat <laughs> So I need uh, some plates as well. Is it come as a package? Then it's all right. <laughs> In the metaverse, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think um, an Olympic bar. Uh, I'll make it, yeah. Yeah. Depends on the type of island, George. Are we talking like a tropical island where there's loads of coconuts and stuff like that, or is it just like a desert island where there's nothing, or maybe a few rocks? Let's see, there's an island somewhat similar to the Agogi, which happened in Leva, right? <laughs> That'd be mad. I'd say, I mean, take a couple of sacks and fill them and make sandbags, and you can do a lot with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of sandbag burpees as well. Yeah. Oh, what about you, Adam and Steve? Throw in goggles. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, but that you is only <laughs> You can do all your workouts underwater. Drive <laughs> down, pick up a heavy rock, walk with it a few steps, drop it out. What if there's no rocks? Oh, this is another one. Uh, then you, <laughs> then you. <laughs> Adam, what about you, Adam? Yeah, I think uh, as long as as long as the island's big enough to run, so I don't need to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'd go with the same as Cheryl. I think there's a lot you can do with a barbell. You need a bench, Adam, so you can keep your bench press up. You, you also need a tripod for your camera angles. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. Now, what I've done is, you know, for George and Steve, I've asked you questions, and I think you guys would find out who I've asked them to ask a question to you guys on this podcast. But let's say for George and Steve, and if you can ask Cheryl and Adam, one question has to be kind of like fun-related question. Now, the first question for Stephen is, are you still having nightmares about hanging yourself at the Wadi Adventure Race? <laughs> Do you want to share your thoughts and opinions on that? Um, nah, uh, I had psychological issues for about six months of that because it basically took me out of fitness for about six months. But yeah, apart from that, uh, yeah, definitely not having any... Uh, in the nightmares. Oh, that's wicked. It's going to be really interesting to see and find out what that story is. Now, for George, I have this question, uh, and I have to use this word. Now, I'm thinking about getting my handlebars wrapped around my bike, and I've heard <laughs> you're the best man for the job. So uh, I'm, I'm sick at wrapping bar, uh, wrapping bar tape. <laughs> okay. I'm so good at it that I literally go out for the first ride and it starts unraveling itself. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's very good. And do you guys have any questions, let's say, for Cheryl and Adam based on what you guys know? I've got one for Cheryl. Yeah. Have you found a pair of running shoes yet? You know what? We <laughs> <laughs> have. Oh, um, here we go. I think, uh, yeah, you know how uh, Warehouse Gym were doing like a, 
a promo a couple of weekends ago, and it was you burn calories, you you could then exchange them for coins. So 400 calories was 400 okay. coins, and then you got a pair of shoes. Um, and I got some some Puma runners, Nitro something something. They're not the ones that all you high rocks guys have because I tried them and they didn't quite work for me. But so far they're all right. I've not done many many a run with them, but they've been okay so far. But if anyone listens to the podcast would like to buy some asses <laughs> <laughs> to try 15s, then you know, I'm willing. How many, to how many pairs of shoes did you buy? <laughs> many, you know. And sometimes you've got to realise it's not the shoe, it's the runner. <laughs> <laughs> what about for Adam? Do you guys have any questions for Adam? Yeah. Uh, Adam, seeing your the recent ventures into strength building, what's now your single favorite strength workout? Um, good question, that, because I'm definitely better at some than others. When, you, when you've got to time the bar, as in like a clean or a like clean and jerk or a clean squat, uh, when, it, when you get it right, it's a great feeling, isn't it? But nine times out of 10 for me, the bar seems to still do whatever the hell it wants. So uh, when it's like a chest press, I can take the bar and do what I want with it. Uh, feel a lot more, a lot safer. So I would say like a clean or a clean squat if it if it goes well, if I can time it correctly. If not, then chest press. Well, nice. I think Stephen, are you? We've lost Stephen Hawk, yeah, I think Stephen is. I oh, think he's he's, he just messaged saying his battery died. <laughs> oh, okay, it's back. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I think we are pretty much done as well, you know. Thank you so much. Are you back, Stephen? Oh, Stephen is like. No. Have you guys watched uh, no, you know, the serial gone. killer movie? I'm trying to remember what is that Netflix documentary about the serial killer? Where, you know. Definitely not Ted Bundy because Stephen's not that. <laughs> no, no, his, his image is literally looking like that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, anyways, guys, thank you so much for doing this. You know, really, really appreciate it. You know, sorry it took a little bit longer than anticipated. No worries, it's been thank fun. Thank you so much, guys. You should definitely do this again. I've got, uh, I've got a spaghetti bowl and I used to get to now. So, <laughs> okay, cheers. Thank you so <laughs> much. Thanks, guys. Right, cheers, thanks, George. Cheryl. Thanks, George. Thanks, Adam. Have a nice one. Yeah. Right, see you guys. Good evening.